Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Haley Chura. And I'm Alyssa Gadeski. We're currently on a two-week break, but we hand-selected a couple of our favorite episodes from the year in case you missed them or just want to re-listen. And mark your calendars. January 12th will be our first new episode of 2023. If you have any questions in the meantime, be sure to write into our mailbag, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Have a great New Year's, Haley. I love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Haley Chura. I'm joined by my co-host, Alyssa Gadeski. Alyssa, I think we're still in the new year, you know, new year-ish time span. And I've talked a lot this year about resolutions. And one of my resolutions I finally accomplished. Do you know which one? Haley, of course I know which one because we've been going through this with you for like a while. Every time before we record the show, we would talk about if you had accomplished this yet and you hadn't, but you were clearly just waiting for the calendar year to flop over, be able to set that resolution so that now we can still January, check it off, cross it off your list and have that feeling of accomplishment. I totally see where you were coming from now with that. I did. I finally did an inside tracker blood draw. I did the blood testing. Inside tracker is of course, one of our podcast sponsors. It ties into this week's episode conveniently enough with nutritionist Elizabeth Inpine. And she talks about blood testing and how it can be used for nutrition purposes. But from my own experience, I, you know, I will say I've been trying to do this for a long time and I'm not someone who's very good at setting appointments. <laughs> I, um, and you know, and living in Montana, there comes with some challenges to getting inside tracker. And, and so my experience was, um, I thought that things were going to be really hard and they were not as hard as I expected. <laughs> so I had all these expectations where I was like, oh my goodness, like you have to print out your order. So after you go onto the website, um, which you can go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and, you know, sign up for this test, they send you this like PDF and you have to print it out and bring it with you. Right. And to me, I don't have a printer. This just felt like an insurmountable hurdle. But in the new year of 2022, I'm like, you can figure this out. And so I actually walked down to the library and the librarian was so kind and they printed it out for free, Alyssa. It was free. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I had some cash ready. I didn't even have to use it. It was actually so nice and so easy. Um, and again, I love anything I can walk to. And so then the next day I, we don't have a quest diagnostics, um, in Bozeman, which I think most places you're able to schedule online with quest diagnostics and go in. We have a place that is it's I think contracts with quest diagnostics. And so I could not schedule a time online. They said they took walk-ins. So I, rolled the dice a little bit and went in, um, right around when they opened at 8am and I had been fasting and, um, and so I was not at my cheeriest, but, um, 
they actually it took like 30 seconds or maybe a little bit longer so than that. fast yeah like you're in like, and out before you even realize it yeah right. she i she was like oh you know it'd be better if you'd made an appointment like called made an appointment but she's like we're not busy so i can just do it right now and um I'm, I mean, I'm not like super good with blood draws. Like I just close my eyes and, and just like I did the ultimate. So it's quite a bit of blood. Um, and I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. But she was very kind, very nice. Um, got the blood. And then I treated myself to a, an extra large breakfast. So to get, you know, Ooh, all those calories yeah. back in before I got, I did get on the bike a little bit later. So it actually ended up being quite easy and I should have done it earlier, but you know what? This is what resolutions are for. You know, sometimes you just need that little push to like, be like, I resolved and I did it. Um, so, you know, there's a success story for a new year's resolution. I love it. And I love even more that in a week or so, we'll be able to compare your inner age to my inner age and be able to discuss who who is truly younger at heart. To do the inner age. I was like, I was like, oh, should I do it or not? But I was like, I got to be able to have content. So I did it. So I don't have my results yet back yet. But yes, this is going to be an ongoing discussion topic. Um, little nervous, but also excited. Um, you know, and also I'm, I am like, okay, maybe there are things I can work on and, you know, add to my resolution list because I don't think you only can make resolutions at the new year. You know, I'm, I'm all for like February resolutions. (laughs) Perfect. And it's a good time. You have St. George coming up in like 12 or 13, 14 weeks. Right. So it's like, you can find out if you need to be bumping up something a little bit, making, just keeping things in the forefront of your mind. I think now is the time to start. So that's that I'm really excited for you. Congratulations on accomplishing that resolution. And for our listeners who also want to be checking their resolutions off, you can go to insidetracker.com slash feisty for 20, 20% off. And when you sign up and get the test of your choice. Yes. And then you could always email us and in our mailbag and tell us how it went. If your experience was similar to mine, what your inner age is compared to your numerical calendar age. (laughs) You know, these things are fun and we have to keep things fun and light these days, right? Totally, totally. And actually, along with fun and light and mailbag, Haley, we got a really fun mailbag question in. Do you want to, should we go for that this week? So just a reminder to everyone, our mailbag email address is ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions, thoughts, et cetera, any of that. Um, thanks to Taylor for writing in. And Taylor is a new listener and she's a big fan of the pod. I love it. I love it when people start out with big fan of the pod because like I listen to some podcasts and they have similar things and people will say like big fan of the pod. And I'm like, people say that about our podcast Haley that's pretty cool so anyway I love that we have fans thank you (laughs) even big fans we have Uh, I mean I'll take the small fans but I really appreciate the big fans so Taylor has a fun question she wants to know our favorite song for pumping us up before race or workout grinding out a long trainer session and hitting pace while we run so Haley I dug through my Spotify just a little bit my music leaves some to be desired for any true musical aficionados out there. I would say that I don't want any mailbags coming in judging from our musical taste. <laughs> so this is a judgment-free musical zone. I was born in 1985. I'm going to judge you I have like a very weird, 
I have a very weird music taste when people get to know that about me, but, um, and I tend to fixate on songs or like certain songs that I like. I've been listening to the same ones like over and over on repeat for certain workouts and stuff for like the last 10 years, basically, I feel like. So, um, some of my choices are probably pretty dated, but some are maybe not, but, um, I don't know. Haley, did you, do you have some ready? Should we go like through I'll each go. one and kind of give our top choice? I'll go. Well, I want to say my most recent pre-race, which was Ironman 70.3 Indian Wells. And I listened to, I needed to do like a warm up jog. And so I did put on music and I listened to the 10 minute version of All Too Well by Taylor Swift, <laughs> which I don't know if that counts as a pump up song, but it's a 10 minute long song. And so if I wanted to do a 15 to 20 minute easy jog with some strides, like I know I could just play it twice. And so, you know, and it got me there and it does, I think there's some like emotional thing where it didn't get me too like overexcited before the race. Cause it is a long race day. Um, but you know, I, it has some, like, it pulls at my heartstrings and just makes me happy to be alive. <laughs> it's a great so, song to listen to while you're watching like the sunrise and just like thinking about or and or if you're me, that is actually my pick Haley for a long trainer ride because it's so long that you could like, you're done. Like you only have to listen to it six times and you're through like an hour on the trainer. Right. And like, you can do anything six times. So it's like, that's literally something I would just have on repeat. And I'm like, okay, at least when this song is done, like I'm so much further in the workout than I was before, you know, that, um, that, and it's like, like you said, it has a good beat, but it's like, you know, it's not going to get me too crazy, especially if I am on the trainer for a long time. I'm probably not doing anything super, super hard. I just need to be able to like kind of focus and, and I like the music video. So sometimes I'm watching the music video too while it's on and I'm just like reliving it all with And Taylor the music and... video is 13 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah. I mean, for, for the long stuff, that's, that's actually my pick. What do you do pre-race? So lately the changes I feel like, but lately my pre-race is, let me find it actually. Oh, here we go. Um, is my Spotify is like loaded. Oh, okay. Um, rest of my life. I think it's Ludacris and Usher collaborated a collab, a collab with Ludacris and Usher. And I like that one. I think it's fun. It gets me pumped up. That's like my pump up of choice right now. Okay. I think my long trainer session. So I would usually do a playlist that someone else has made that is either pop, um, either current pop, which, um, you know, sometimes I'll do like a workout mix. So it's like all upbeat, but honestly, like sometimes I, there's some songs that aren't like, like, I really like ghost by Justin Bieber, <laughs> which is not happy. But for some reason, it, you know, during a long trainer ride, if that song comes on, it makes me happy <laughs> in a weird way. Um, mostly because he has the voice of an angel. And I, um, or occasionally I go into like, just like 80s, you know, like 80s hits or something like that, which a child of the 80s, um, you know, just throwing in some like queen or something. I don't, I don't even know, honestly, like I, I'm like you, I don't, I'm not like a music aficionado, but I can just like, hopefully someone else made the list and I can just like hit play and let it scroll through. But yeah, yeah I like to also, I'll search Spotify for like 
workout fast workout songs that are happy and like people have made playlists called like fast workout songs that make me happy and i'm like boom here we go like sarah from idaho did this for me already so i love searching out the random stuff like that so Haley, what about hitting pace on the treadmill does that is that like also okay this has been a new recent one because since we interviewed lucy charles barclay back in december she talked about what she listened to and she said she listened to imagine dragons so i was like this obviously is the reason she's so fast is just that and so i recently have done some workouts where i just put on a single imagine i put on whatever it takes and I just play it on repeat one song, um, which it sounds like you do that as well. But, um, you know, because then it's just like you just don't have I don't know, like, especially if you're doing something that is a little bit longer, like I don't count how many songs I just am like thinking about it. But then the only thing is that with that song, I like start thinking about would I do whatever it takes? And I'm like, like, no, I have some limitations. <laughs> this is my- so I'm like, I have not reached Lucy like level yet but maybe there's something to keep working on (laughs) well i need to try imagine dragons i definitely will do that at some point this week because i'm running some miles on the treadmill so i'm going to try that but i i am a big fan of the repeat um and right now i've been kind of doing three on repeat but sometimes if i was going to pick just one to put on repeat it would be america's sweetheart by l king actually for whatever reason i think that's like a great one for the treadmill running um call me maybe carly ray jepson is on is one of the three and that makes me think of like the summer olympic swim team when they did the music video oh, with yeah. um Missy franklin um and like 2012 uh, yeah, maybe earlier i don't know wait we'll i think it up. might have been um, yeah search we have to look 20... it up but i don't know yeah because i'm like when was like um, youtube was youtube around in 2008 <laughs> it was early i mean they were like if you look at them they all look like babies hold on i feel like we can look that was a good video maybe swim team music video all right google's gonna tell us uh 2012 you were right yes and they're on the plane like it's so good if you i mean it's so good so that one is a good one and then my third is might not like me by bryn elliott i didn't even know that bryn elliott was that one but um something that song has lyrics about like if you don't like girls that are like strong and fast then you might not like me. So that's like, yeah, my pump up jam. I'm like running on the trail. I'm like, yeah, you're not going to like me because I'm strong and fast. <laughs> there you go. Whatever it takes, but with limitations at the same time. Well, no, because I'm like, okay, this is like how my brain works. I'm like, what if I had to like, like, like murder cowboy? I'm like, no, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Like, I don't have what no, it takes. No. I mean, I have what it takes. But I don't I think like... Lucy Charles Barclay would murder her dog okay. either, for the record. But... <laughs> we did that not somehow, like that question missed, somehow that question missed the interview. But yeah, okay. My well, brain moving on from these. very dark. But I'm like, but it is like, you know, the lyrics are very like, okay, I'll do what it takes. Like, as in like running up this hill one more time or you know hanging on for three one more, more minutes. minutes yeah yeah that kind of yeah. thing so um, um <laughs> sorry for that well, Haley, taylor also taylor also asked us if we would make a iron women spotify playlist it would and have, like, i think four songs we, yeah it would have four <laughs> songs and they would be like three taylor swifts and then call me maybe so what i do think i have a few public playlists like if i have on spotify i'm a gadeski you can search for me i think and follow and sometimes i put them on if i remember um i think feisty media might be making some spotify playlists that we have out there so you can search that and 
Uh, we'll try and link to those in the show notes if we find the links and stuff. But um, we're probably not the best for the musical, but we can always share as we find other things. We'll continue sharing them in our intros here. Yes. And thank you, Taylor, for writing in. That was a fun, like, exercise in our strangeness. Um, but if anyone else wants to write in with their songs, um, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you do like us, if you like like to do the one song playlist for your, you know, hard intervals, um, you know, tell us, is that normal? <laughs> And all right, Haley, we do have a really great interview. You already talked about the fact that we talked to Elizabeth Inpine this week, but uh, tell us some more about Elizabeth. Yes. Elizabeth is a certified sports nutritionist. She has a master's degree in sports nutrition, and she also swam and played water polo while studying at the University of California in Santa Barbara before she found triathlon as an adult. So if you are, you know, thinking about changing up your nutrition habits for the new year, maybe you have a resolution of your own, Elizabeth has advice for you. She also tells us her thoughts on nutrition technology, like continuous glucose monitors, DEXA scans, and on-demand blood testing. And she tells us about her new nutrition app called Fuelin. Elizabeth also offers the always needed advice on what to do if you experience gastrointestinal issues during a race or workout or how to maybe help prevent that. So we'll have our conversation with Elizabeth Inpine right after the break. Hi, Elizabeth. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So we're excited to have you here today, but in case our listeners aren't familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, both your background in sports nutrition and a little bit even about your history as an athlete? Sure. So the athlete history is probably more exciting. Um, I was a collegiate swimmer and water polo player at UC Santa Barbara, um, much much longer ago than I would care to admit years. (laughs) Um, And then after college, I kind of stopped the endurance sport. Uh, I ran a little bit. And then about 10 years ago, an ex-boyfriend bought me a bike for my birthday and taught me how to like ride a bike and got me into triathlons. And I have been loving them, obsessing over them, uh, struggling with them ever since. (laughs) And what about the sports um, nutrition piece? Where is that what you studied at UC Santa Barbara? Indirectly. So I I was a chemistry and biology major. Um, and I actually got into teaching for a while. I was a high school teacher and then a professor. Um, and when I moved to San Francisco, I realized that you can't live in the city on a teacher's salary. And so I got like the tech job. And so I basically kind of put that part of my education behind me. And I was working in tech and I was training with Purple Patch uh, in San Francisco there. And I was, I would overhear people discussing things in the, like in the locker room, like different products they were using or talking about a different diet. And the scientist in me was, I was always kind of thinking like, well, that really doesn't make sense or that's not quite how that works. And, and I just, it, it kind of kept coming up. And finally I started speaking up and telling people, well, I can't explain to you why, you know, from a sports medicine or sports science perspective, but chemist like on a chemistry level, this doesn't work this way. And uh, through like people asking enough questions and my love of knowledge and my desire to go to school forever. I went back to school 
at night, got my master's in sports performance nutrition, um, and then my RD in sports nutrition, uh, or with a focus in sports nutrition um, over the last several years. So kind of an ongoing platform to combine the things that I love and, and the education that I had. And so now, I would actually say that's yeah. super interesting and probably rivals <laughs> your like history as an athlete. I know we all love kind of the, the athlete bios to relate to, but that is, yeah, like a, I mean, a really cool story of how it kind of evolved from like a chem, you know, yeah. and bio major in college. Yes. Yeah. And I also, because, so I originally picked um, religious studies and history and my parents very kindly said, well, choose something also that you can get a job because <laughs> you're not going to like, that's, that's fun. And so I actually have a double in religious studies and chemistry with a minor in biology. Um, so to combine all of them into some kind of like Renaissance degree is my goal at some point in time. I don't know how, <laughs> although after working with athletes, I think I need to go back maybe and get a psychology degree because <laughs> I think the I think the nutrition fueling uh mental component with nutrition and and mental health is is something I see a lot and probably something that needs a greater focus and it's still early in 2022 but we know a lot <laughs> of folks have set new year's resolutions around health and fitness so how do you feel about nutrition focused new year's resolutions so I, I like anything that will encourage people to make better choices, to maybe reevaluate their daily decisions. Um, and I think this is a good time of year to do that. People kind of take stock in what they've done over the last year and, and maybe um, give themselves kind of permission uh, to change. So in that way, I like them. In general, I don't. I don't think they do much good. I don't think that, um, I think a lot of them come from an unhealthy place, whether that's the like new year, new you, as if the old you wasn't good enough or, um, Jan you know, January is the perfect time to do a 30 day juice cleanse or a detox, um, which don't do either. Um, so I think if it's, if it, if they're coming out of a place where you just really want to, you know, set yourself up for your best season in terms of triathlon. Um, if you, you know, have some health ailments that you're trying to work on, or if you're new to the sport of triathlon and you understand that diet is important, I think New Year's resolutions or health goals can be great. But more importantly, it's probably about setting habits um, and, and looking at the bigger picture as to why you want to get healthy or why there are certain things that you want to change that psychology piece, your interest in psychology yeah. is showing. And I'm like, I'm thinking back to my own resolutions. And I'm like, it's not because I dislike the old me, is it? But um, <laughs> the old me and that me. only read two pages a day. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I said, I, I've said, talked about this several times, but my, uh, my resolution was to start reading 50 pages a day. It was, it's too big. It's too big of a resolution. And I fall short most days, but honestly, it's, it's actually still really fun for me. And I know that's a different kind of resolution, but I don't think it was like the old me didn't do it. I just, I, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why I did it. But, um, but you know, it's, I think I'm coming maybe, out of a healthy place. 
<laughs> sure. And maybe you were oversaturated with, you know, your phone and technology and you needed like that might have been a way to step back and give yourself like permission to not be glued to your phone or not be thinking about travel on 24/7 and and sometimes those kinds of goals and resolutions I think are really healthy and come from a really healthy place. Oh, the phone one, you got me. But okay, this is our second New Year's yeah. of the COVID-19 pandemic and feeding ourselves either by going to the grocery store or a restaurant, it's still a little complicated. So have you changed how you navigate nutrition during the pandemic? Definitely. Um, I, there originally when, you know, when first we were quarantined and there was so much unknown people, you know, some people were stress eating and so they were home all day and, or they just were eating out of boredom and they, they hadn't found that balance. Although I think now kind of by year two, we've all, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately found a rhythm to kind of the new, the new order of things. And that's, um, a lot of DoorDash and food delivery. People still aren't comfortable going out. Um, some people are, some people aren't. People have had to learn, uh, to cook all of their meals at home, um, instead of going out to get them. So there's been a greater focus on easy, um, time, like 30 minutes or less, um, simple ingredients, ingredients that they have access to. There were a lot of shortages, you know, when eggs or chicken or, so it was trying to really change the way that I taught people how to eat. Um, and that like frozen fruits and vegetables are great, even though, you know, we all said it, here's how to cook with them, or here's how to incorporate them into your diet. Um, buying things in bulk, um, oh, they're out of canned beans. Well, believe it or not, you can like buy <laughs> dry beans and make your own. <laughs> um, I, I actually you. was in the, like you say that laughing, but it, it is funny because I've had that happen where I like couldn't find beans once, like it was all out. And then I like see this bag of beans. I was like, wait a second, <laughs> beans are sold in bags like this. Like, it was just like mind blowing to me for that instant that I was like, I guess we can try it, you know, and it, it was fine. But like it was, yeah, you have to reframe a lot of the ways you look at things, I think when. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And this time in general. <laughs> it is. And gosh, you appreciate the convenience of canned beans once you have to cook your own, don't you though? It's <laughs> yes. like, I'll take yes. the can any day, any day of the week. Um, so I saw that I saw people or I had to kind of be more flexible on my end with what worked for healthy nutrition, I kind of try to tell people good, better, best. And it was a really good time to even remind myself that all of my athletes were doing the best that they could. And maybe, you know, they didn't have the time or even the energy that day after homeschooling their kids all day to make a meal that they were going to door dash. And so, hey, here's how to, I taught them how to read menus, how to read labels, Things that to me seemed very commonplace, but were skills that they might not have had to develop otherwise. And I'm sure that many of our listeners are doing everything they can to stay healthy these days, right? We're like very weary of germs and how to maintain not getting extra ones around us. So do you think that eating certain foods can help boost our immune system and, and kind of help us fight that fight? Here I would say your choice of language matters. 
I don't, you can't really boost your immune system. And, and in reality, you wouldn't really want to. Um, you can enhance and support your immune system. So based on the kind of food you eat and the lifestyle choices, sleep, exercise, et cetera, you can support a healthy immune system. Boosting your immune system is almost like your immune system's job is to identify pathogens or infections or injury and then kind of mount a response to that. Boosting it would be almost overcompensating and then you have other kinds of issues, inflammation, uh, higher white blood cell count. So it's like if we reframe how we think about it, it's you want to provide your body with the best opportunity to support the immune system that you have. And in that case, then, you know, eating, eating a really whole food, varied diet with all of the foods that we tell people all the time are things that you're supposed to eat, you know, the leafy greens, the fruits and the vegetables, um, fish, if you eat fish, like healthy, uh, fatty fish, um, and then foods that are high in vitamin C, zinc, uh, magnesium, vitamin D3, all of those things are all important components of immune health. And then I would say gut health as our immune system and its functioning is kind of tied to gut health, making sure that your gut is healthy as well is probably another way to best support, support your, your body. For sure. And we continue on this sort of New Year's resolution type uh, train of thought. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have a goal, New Year's goal, they might be to lose weight. And so early in my triathlon career, I actually had a coach that said, triathlon is not a weight loss program. Uh, referring to the need to fuel our bodies for multi-hour workouts and races. However, I do know there are athletes out there who do want to lose weight, and it's maybe even at the advice of a physician. So is weight loss a healthy goal if an athlete is also training for endurance sports? It depends to an extent. I would say if you are coming to triathlon as a form of weight loss, that's not your best bet. If you're like, come to triathlon uh, to, you know, have a health program as a training program, but really if you are looking to change body composition or to change kind of what's going on in your blood, like that is really more a diet focus, like what you're actually eating on a daily basis. Um, you know, as they say, like your, you know, your, your body is kind of made by the decisions you make in the kitchen. Um, triathlon can certainly help that in terms of improving body composition by increasing muscular strength and helping to decrease, you know, uh, overall body fat. But if you come into triathlon and, and look at it, it's like, it's not a caloric, like a calorie management system. Because when you're training, for triathlon, you need to be fueling your body properly. And a lot of times that's not a low calorie, low carbohydrate, low intake. It's like train, which is why the off season is probably the best time. If you are looking for some body composition changes, when you're, when your training is a little less intense and more foundational, that might be the best time to do it. Um, but you really can't focus on both and have positive outcomes in both. 
It's uh, use the the dietary choices um, potentially in the off season or, or early on in the season um, if body composition is something you're concerned with, and that's not just your weight. That's you know getting a DEXA scan. That's looking at your blood. That's looking at any family medical history you have. There are so many other things than just weight um, in terms of health. But yeah, I, I wouldn't say triathlon is a is is a weight loss program or it shouldn't be takes all the fun out of it. (laughs) And Elizabeth, over the years, many pro women have told us on the podcast that they kind of felt pressure to look a certain way or be a specific weight. Even maybe they had coaches that said that or something like that. And that actually led them to disordered eating, which in the long term had a really negative impact on both their athletic performance and their overall health. So how do you navigate nutrition and weight advice while Also acknowledging that we live in the society that often equates the health and athletic performance with being thin and looking a certain way. So this is something I is really close to my heart for multiple reasons. One, it's definitely something that I struggled with when I started triathlon. Um, The notion that I looked around and the people that I saw were lean And especially, you know, if you look at just at runners specifically, it was like, oh, I really want to be a faster runner. Uh, I should be leaner. And the notion that the the pictures that you see and the people that you see a lot of the time are on the leaner side, or at least they were. Um, And 10 years, 15 years ago, the message wasn't out there that I think is now that there are all different types of, of bodies and unfortunately, the the lean you can get lean for a bit, but there's you'll always have to pay the piper, and that at some point your health will diminish, and it, gosh, and your mental health diminishes as well, um, and that's where you start to see that um, you know athletes get stress fractures, athletes are sick all the time. Um, so in seeing that and working with both men and women disordered eating, not specifically eating disorders, um, are, it's, it's really common. And it's something that almost everybody struggles with at some level, I think, because food is such an emotional, cultural, social construct that when we think about athletes, we think of them being very regimented with their diet. A lot of the times we're very perfectionist type A people that like to control every little factor. And one of the things that we can control supposedly is our body and how we look. And so it's like, well, I might not be able to be as fast as X, Y, Z, but I can unhealthily diet and get thin and potentially that will help get me there. Or my training isn't going well, so I can control my eating in this way. Um, personally, I know I had, thank goodness, Matt Dixon, I owe him for like pulling me out of a swim workout once and saying, you know, you're too thin. Like what's going on? Tell me, like, talk to me, which for a a male coach to do that, um, and to like speak up in something that could have been otherwise uncomfortable, uh, you know, I think is important. And I think more and more people are having that discussion now, but it's, it's very easy to spot when someone is obsessing or has very disordered eating. And it's something that I personally will address right away. 
Um, I've had to recommend people, athletes before to mental health professionals, like this is above, above my pay grade. Um, and I think the more that the women that are leading the space in triathlon, um, you too, <laughs> and s- speaking about it and talking about the fact that all body types can be successful and healthy and that uh, speed doesn't translate to weight loss um, as, as much as we think it is and does. And as a nutritionist, when you are, I mean, having that conversation has to be very, very difficult and like trying to get someone to think long-term versus short-term in any aspect is very hard. It's very hard. And so I'm, I'm like, how do you approach that first, you know, that first conversation? If you are saying like, maybe you should work with a mental health professional. I mean, how do you do that in a compassionate way? Is this, I mean, again, the psychology that you mentioned earlier definitely comes, it sounds like it comes into play. Definitely. I think it helps that I can speak from a point of I've been there. Like I understand what you're feeling. Um, And, and luckily I think people don't know that they're reaching out for help when they're reaching out for help sometimes. And I think some people like will ask to work with a dietitian or nutritionist because they're hoping that someone will tell them that they need to address some issues they have about eating. Um, and so it's like they almost open the door. And then luckily I have the science behind to kind of say, I know you don't want to eat a lot, but look, here's what happens to your body when you don't. Like there's a whole syndrome for it. It's called REDS, relative energy deficiency in sport. These are the long-term things. And a lot of times I can say things like, oh, you know, have you ever had night sweats? And oh, yeah, I've had, you know, I wake up sometimes and the, the bed is just wet. And it's like, well, that comes from under fueling or, oh, have you, do you still get your cycle regularly? And then no, I haven't had it in a while. And it's like, oh, well, so there's a lot of different avenues to discuss and gently kind of bring up the topic of you're probably not fueling properly. Um, and then on the flip side, when there are athletes that say, you know, uh, I, you know, genuinely have, you know, my doctor recommended I have my, I did a DEXA scan and my body fat percentage is in the unhealthy range. Can you help me? Uh, Then it's the discussion is not really about weight loss. It's about smart food choices and looking at how we can help them kind of, it's more about longevity and thriving in life and health than it is about weight loss. So I really try to change the discussion and take it away from body image and more onto health. I'm glad you also brought and up, you've mentioned, Oh, I just, I just want to say, I'm glad you brought up the, um, the, you know, night sweats, um, lack of menstrual cycle, just those things because thinness isn't always the one indicator of disordered no. eating. It's not, it's, it, you can mm-hmm. be any body size and have disordered eating. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's good to put those out there, <laughs> but the DEXA scan a couple times. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I know that culturally, I think maybe uh, like with all this stuff, we're trying to get away from BMI being like, you know, the, the chart everyone looks at to kind of come at all this, this, these discussions with, right. And so is the DEXA scan something you recommend as like when people are kind of 
you know, looking to evaluate health? Like, is that a, a better option for people to do? Um, you know, I know if I looked at a BMI chart, it's like, it tells me I'm like borderline obese, right? And I'm like, yeah. no, my thighs are just really muscular. <laughs> <laughs> I just weigh more than you think I do, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I remember, and this was, gosh, I guess maybe my junior year in college. So again, still a baby, but I was a collegiate swimmer. Like I was a bigger, I mean, much, you know, probably 20 pounds heavier than I am now. It just was, and I remember going in to see the doctor and and he gave me that like, wow, you know, you're, you're, you're a bigger girl. And I just thought, first of all, that's not how you start a discussion with a woman about, you know, like her weight and, and the concept of, from a physician of trying to tell me that my body mass index was potentially unhealthy. It was just ludicrous. And thank goodness, you know, kudos to my mom for like stepping up and going, we're going to need another doctor. (laughs) Like this is unacceptable. (laughs) Um, So I think BMI for the most part is, is not, uh, not the metric that we want to be using. A DEXA scan absolutely is. Um, A, it's more accurate for overall uh, lean mass, fat mass, uh, bone health, all all of the components that you want. And it's also a much better predictor of potential injury, um, definitely long-term health. It's an easy metric to look at and then chart, right? So kind of like blood work, um, you get a starting line, a baseline, and it gives you information then to work from and build and potentially look at again a year or two later um, to track. So definitely, I think it's a great metric for body composition and health. And the Iron Women podcast is sponsored by Inside Tracker, which does provide on-demand blood testing and analysis. And I believe you're also a fan of blood testing for optimizing health and performance. So what blood biomarkers do you usually suggest athletes check and how might they take action once they get their results? Sure. So unplanned plug for Inside Tracker. I love them. I have been using them for, gosh, six, seven years. Uh, maybe long as long as long as they've been around. I think that platform is fantastic. I require all of my athletes to use it, um, mostly because I don't like to just throw out nutri- nutrition recommendations out of blind faith. Like I'm not the healer that can like look at someone's tongue and tell them they're low on you know what whatever uh, like food they should be consuming or you know the again. I love Eastern medicine. <laughs> I'm just not qualified. Um, so when running a blood panel, I like to do uh, like an iron panel, obviously for endurance athletes, but female athletes, especially something I see chronically low. Uh, you know, we're looking for anemia. If, you, if you're running an iron panel, you're uh, ideally trying to optimize energy, heart health, um, like cardiovascular fitness. So the iron panel is definitely important. Um, I mean, iron's depleted through endurance activity anyway. So the two go hand in hand. Uh, vitamin D3, very, very important. That's bone, muscle, uh, mood, mood. <laughs> I can always tell when my vitamin D3 is low. It's like my mood goes. I'm a little bit more introverted, depressed slightly. Um, I think depressed, big word, but a little less enthusiastic about life. 
Um, and I think due to kind of the training that triathletes do, we're up early before the sun comes up. We're either, you know, swimming in a pool inside for most places. I wasn't until I moved to Atlanta that I realized outdoor pools were a luxury. I just assumed everybody everywhere was like California and had outdoor pools all year long. <laughs> um, or, you know, you're on your bike or you're in the pool or running on a treadmill. Um, and then you're working in an office all day or the equivalent. And then you're doing some more training at night, either in a gym, in a pool, on a treadmill. Like, And hopefully most of us are responsible and we're, if we're outside training, where there's an element of sunscreen, a helmet on, sunglasses, whatever. So we're not always out there optimizing vitamin D. Um, and the sun is primarily where you get it from. So I would say, and people in general, uh, vitamin D is low. So that's a good one. Uh, B12, I check that. Uh, that's your energy, cognition, anemia. So, you know, if fat athletes say they have trouble focusing or they're not, um, a lot of them in the strength room, like they're not, their reaction time isn't as quick. And um, with plant-based athletes, that's definitely something that you want to check. So I'd like to do that. HbA1c which is your 90-day like blood glucose measurement. It's an average over that time. I like that better than fasting glucose. I think it's a, a bit more accurate. Um, and then I'd say omega, like omega-3, um, to look at inflammation, mind, like brain health, gut health. So probably those. Uh, iron panel, D3, B12, uh, HbA1c and omegas, omega threes. And for our listeners, don't forget we'll we will link in the show notes to the Inside Tracker, and if you want to be getting that rolling for yourself, um, we didn't do it. it this much, but we, we all do Go love it. So do it. It's, yeah, great. Um, and Elizabeth, we had a great conversation last year with two age group triathletes, Alicia Allen and Lauren Dolan who also have type one diabetes. And in that interview, we briefly touched on continuous glucose monitors. Alicia and Lauren had slightly different opinions on CGMs for non-diabetic athletes. We think Alicia called them an expensive way to learn about nutrition. And Lauren hoped that wider use might lead to technological advances to help diabetics. So as a nutritionist, how do you feel about CGMs for non-diabetic athletes? I... It's a like overall, I think, gosh, what's it? Uh, Alex Hutchinson called them a fuel, like a fuel gauge. I think it's a pricey tool to potentially have in the toolbox um, for some athletes. That's the least uh, descriptive, descriptive term. Uh, <laughs> so it, they don't, most people don't know what to do with the information and it's not going to be as useful as they think it's going to be. They, um, and that's not to say that, you know, I'm not picking on people. It's just, there's a lot of information there and it's really, I mean, it basically tells you how much kind of like juice you have left in the tank at any given point in time, which if you've had issues fueling before and, and, you know, in some of your longer races, you've struggled with things, Potentially, it could be a, a tool to use. I think, like Alyssa, for some of your FKTs, I would probably like those are you have a lot going into that. 
yeah, I think that would be a context to use something like that in terms of how to better understand how your body might do with fueling, refueling at the end of the night, potentially navigating or mitigating hypoglycemia. Um, The average age group triathlete, I think your money would probably be better spent on other things, whether that's blood testing, uh, working with a dietitian or nutritionist, hiring a a swim coach, (laughs) you know, like it's, it's new and it's exciting and it is good for dialing in fueling, but I think practice can do that as well. Um, and I think in the long term, that's probably a better assessment. Now for diabetics, fantastic. I've had several type one diabetics, uh, diabetic athletes, and they're really, really crucial. And as a coach, uh, being able to see in real time, like what my athlete is doing and what his body was doing and being able to like make decisions was really helpful. But for the, for the non-diabetic, probably not a necessary training device. And so we've mentioned, you know, CGMs, Inside Tracker, DEXA scans. Are there any other ways you think technology is changing sports nutrition right now? Uh, well, <laughs> I think if anything, it's helping people become more aware that nutrition is paramount when it comes to sport. Um, I think the way that like even using a tool as simple as like my fitness pal or any kind of online, um, food database to better understand nutrition and the food that you're putting into your body is important and they can be really useful tools. I think, you know, social media is filled with recipes. People can try recommendations, reaching out to different, um, Although you have to be careful on Instagram, you know, like just because an influencer says something is a good idea does not mean that it, that it is, or that they're even doing it. They're probably just being paid for it. Um, and I think too, like the app that, you know, Scott and Jonathan and I have worked on being able to have nutrition kind of at synced to your training. And, and we can talk about that later, but I think connection to the food that you're eating and being able to sync it with your training plan, um, and data like inside tracker, the, you know, reminders about taking the supplements that you need and the foods, seeing how interconnected everything is, is probably the, the most important component when it comes to technology and and nutrition. And sports nutrition in general seems like it's susceptible to fads spurred by Instagram influencers or marketing or all of these things, which often, you know, might be biased or not have complete (laughs) research behind them. Um, In the nineties, everything was low fat. I think we can, like, I vividly remember those like Yoplait, like low fat yogurts. And I would just like, like those were like stocked in the fridge. That was like the thing ever, you know, and it was like, you need a snack, have a Yoplait low fat yogurt. (laughs) (laughs) In the early two thousands, no, nothing against Yoplait. Right, you know. right, yeah. <laughs> but thank you, know. you play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I just don't always have to go for low fat. Um, <laughs> in the early 2000s, recovery became a big deal. Now we feel like we're hearing this like clean eating trend. I don't think Haley or I even really know what that means. We're both big fans of just like eating 
period, right? <laughs> so um, are there any fads that you think we should be skeptical of right now? Like what are the buzzwords that we should think twice about before repeating or like trying to incorporate? Great. Thank you for asking this. Uh, I feel like you two have a platform and a voice that will be nice to maybe spread some positive, scientifically accurate information. Um, I think, gosh, we'll get to the clean eating thing. Diets, uh, and people are going to hate this. Keto, uh, it's it's just, it's silly <laughs> in general for the majority of endurance athletes. Um, all diets, and I will say this, whether it's keto, uh, paleo, Atkins, Weight Watchers, whatever, the all diets work if you stick to them consistently. Like they are... There isn't one magical diet that's going to work for everybody. And keto works for some people the same way that Weight Watchers works for some people. It's because they have found that it fits into their lifestyle and they stick with it long term. So to be fair to all diets in general, they will all be successful if you stick with them. So things that worry me are that people think that something like the keto diet is the best diet for an endurance athlete. Um, especially for a female endurance athlete, which it's really not. Uh, there's often a lot of like unhealthy consequences with that. And the definition of keto, people kind of take to mean whatever they want. And they think it's just all any and all fat and, you know, no vegetables and, you know, nothing green and living. It's like eggs and bacon or, you know, whatever. And ketones, that's another thing people are supplementing with now that, um, so I think being wary of that and understanding that, uh, whole food, food from the ground, food from basically the way that mother nature intended it is, and that's, this isn't a plant-based plug, animals, fish, whatever, um, is probably the best way to go the majority of the time. Clean eating, again, I'm with you guys. I'm not exactly sure. Does that mean you just clean your food before you eat it? Like all yes, food? Like sometimes I remember to scrub the carrots before. Yeah, I right, right. Like, <laughs> I scrub my licorice. No, I'm just kidding. There you go. Exactly. Like, because I like sprayed it with my like Trader Joe's like antibacterial mist. Are we good now? Is that, I think the clean eating is really just a way for diet culture to try and shame some foods that people eat and like glorify others. There are no foods that are clean or dirty or good or bad. Food is food. The amount that you consume, the kind of food that you consume, the time that you consume it, all of those things matter. Um, it's yeah, there's clean eating is, or I don't know, I would eliminate that. I would say whole food eating. Um, again, Packaging, like foods that are in packages, probably try to remove those uh, foods that are heavily processed. They're probably a little less good for you. But how many of us don't eat sports bars, gels? <laughs> like that's that's a big part of the life that we live. And I don't know about you guys. I went through a kick once where I was like, I'm going to make my own bars. <laughs> I'm going to eat. And, you know, it's nice and fun until you're like in a hurry and exhausted and on week, you know, 18 of your Ironman training and you haven't brushed your hair in four days. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to make my own. I need something in a package. <laughs> Practicality. Um, always hard. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think anything we can do to kind of remove some of that diet culture language uh, is probably a good idea. I think um, anyone that tells you that a plant-based diet is the only way to go, it's great for some. If they, I had a whole lot of people that watched Game Changers and, you know, were ready to change their lives and told me I was doing my job completely wrong. Um, on the same track that like any kind of meat eating documentary spread the opposite amount of information, both are, you know, influenced by the people that are making them. So beware and and be an informed consumer and um, certainly include more plants and vegetables into your diet and plant based diet works for a lot of people and has helped with recovery and lowering inflammation. It also helps with making better food choices. So I would say be mindful of where you're getting your information from is probably the most important thing. And one of the worst things that can happen to an athlete on race day is gastrointestinal distress. So can you offer any tips to listeners on how to avoid this? Maybe something they can start trying now in training. So it's a well-practiced routine before race day. As you said, that's the best advice anyone could give them. Start now, practice it, practice it, practice it, and then practice it again because (laughs) consistency matters. So your gut is a very trainable organism um, and you want to take the time to, to train your gut to be able to consume more carbohydrates. And that's really where that GI kind of distress comes from a lot of the time. People will either train fasted or have a bar every now and then or, you know, have gosh forbid, water, no electrolytes, something. And then they get to race day and it's like, they've got gels, they've got bars, they tried something, they got it at the expo because, you know, they think it's going to make the, this is going to make the difference. Um, and you need to try it in sessions where you're actually doing race intensity. It's, it's, I think it's nice to start off maybe on a long, slower trail run to try to start incorporating things. Um, but when it comes down to what's going to work on race day, you have to be testing that out in, in a brick session. So when you've got your bike and run and you are, you know, really writing down and knowing exactly what you're going to consume, how much, when, get yourself on a schedule, um, and then try it out, try out different products, see what works best and try it out in different, you know, if you're, uh, race, it, gosh, if you had done Coeur d'Alene last year, for example, but you had trained all year in New Hampshire and it was cold, your gut permeability and your ability to digest food and take in hydration products is going to be completely different in Coeur d'Alene in June. So having a race nutrition strategy has to match not only the intensity that you're training at, but also the conditions that you're going to be racing in. And, um, you know, trying to up that carbohydrate intake slowly. So if right now you're able to consume maybe 30 or 40 grams of carbohydrates an hour, ideally you want to get yourself to that like 90, 100. Um, I know Sarah uh, Pimpiana is like 120 grams an hour, but that doesn't come overnight. Like that's a, that's a process of teaching your gut how to run and or bike whilst consuming, digesting, and then the the mix of everything else going in. Your race nerves, for example, which really plays a big deal in gut gut issues. So maybe having like, you know, that B and C race 
and testing out your nutrition then when your anxiety is a little higher, uh, that is important to do too, just because it works, you know, on a session, even if you're doing that session hard, if you're not nervous in any way, um, you won't really be factoring in all of the variables. I guess I can say one small point of pride was that for my racing Coeur d'Alene last year, my gut was not the issue at hand. <laughs> it was the bees. Was the it was the bees. I, yeah. <laughs> the bees, the, I mean, the flat, the everything. There's a lot of other issues going on. But for me, generally, my gut is not the issue. Because like you said, I think I, I have unintentionally actually through like my earliest years of sport trained my stomach very knock on wood very well because I did like when I was first getting into endurance sports where you need to be fueling during I was like eating pizza during I was eating all these wacky things that people were just handing me and I had you know never I didn't have two thoughts I was like this is just what you do and I really think that has been I get asked a lot how I can you know not have GI distress and I think that definitely has played a role in it. But I do know I'm fortunate to be able to say that. So for a lot of people, it's going to happen. And you know, I certainly have not been scot free. I've had, you know, an issue here or there. So if we're, you know, we fell victim to the expo packet jelly beans, and we took them and they did not settle well, right? So how do we manage GI distress after it's happening is can we bounce back? Yes. Yes, it's definite. If you can like pause, take a minute, (laughs) let your stomach settle. So like, I I always tell people, why did you know, some athletes will go, you know, I felt awful at, you know, mile 20 on the bike. And I'm like, but you said you ate all the way through the rest of like the 80 whatever miles. Like, why did you, (laughs) you know, they didn't take a minute to like, stop, let your body digest the food that you have going on. It's you're going to be better off for it. Fueling is something that is easier to bounce back from like under fueling than it is to be to come back from dehydration. So even if you have a a period where you're not taking in food calories, for example, uh, because you're letting your stomach settle and you're letting your body kind of the fluids balance and adjust, it's easy to then easy, easier to then come back and start fueling again properly in small amounts. Um, and I, so I think that's stopping is probably the first giving yourself a break, giving your digestive system a break, and then having some kind of plan in place for GI issues, whether, you know, that's, uh, I have athletes that will use like ginger or ginger chews, the kind that they recommend for pregnancy to help settle their stomach. Um, athletes, this is part of testing too. Like you will have days when you're testing out your nutrition where you know, like, oh, I overdid that. I, you know, cause you're trying to kind of push that limit. What worked on those days? Did was it stopping and walking for a bit? Was it, you know, consuming, um, like a carbonated beverage, you know, would that help grabbing something like that from the aid station? Sometimes bananas can help calm people's stomach or some of the saltier chips or crackers. So like knowing your body and knowing what works for you is probably the next best strategy for GI issues. Um, And then kind of slowing down too, like kind of the same thing with dehydration, lowering that overall effort, allowing blood to circulate, allowing digestion to have proper digestion to happen. All of those things will help. Um, help your body kind of reset itself and then you can get on the right track again. 
So a GI issue during training isn't a bad thing. It can be a chance to practice coming back from it. There it is. That's the, there's the silver lining Always. for sure. Elizabeth, you touched earlier on the Fuelin app, your new app. It's a, I believe it's a sports nutrition program designed specifically for triathletes. Can you tell us a little bit more about it before we let you go? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, so it's at the moment, uh, it's, designed for endurance athletes. Triathletes kind of is uh, the main group, but we have some marathoners, ultra runners. Um, It is a fueling platform that links your training. So via training peaks, my today's plan, any of those, um, your training with your fueling. So we look at your training plan and we see what that looks like for the week. And then we have a kind of, we call it a a, um, three light system, like a red light, green light, or red, green, amber, as Scott likes to call it. I call it yellow or orange, depends on which country you're you're living in, Um, in terms of monitoring carbohydrate intake and how that affects performance and what sessions need proper fueling, what sessions need more carbohydrates, less. And it's all um, very like handy. It syncs with your training. There's recipes. The Scott and I can comment on a daily basis on what's going on. Uh, there's sweat testing, carbohydrate testing. It keeps track of all your data. So as a dietitian and nutritionist, we can look and track what you're doing and make sure that we're seeing the results um, that we've discussed that you want. And yeah, it's, it basically gives you, it's a, it's a fueling plan, not a meal plan. Um, I don't tell you specifically what to eat. We tell you how kind of how much to eat daily that you should be looking at targets to hit. And then we suggest recipes and, and there's an educational platform in there to learn about uh, carbohydrates, about sweat testing, about kind of all the, the sports nutrition topics that athletes need. And so are you looking at each person's, like, is it, or is it like an AI platform that's kind of like computing things and running things through a machine and saying it? Or is this like, if you work with Elizabeth on nutrition, you're going to be using the Fuelin app as like a component of that? Uh, so it's... <laughs> The there's definitely AI behind the app in terms of like calculating activity level. So we look at the zone that you're training in um, and, you know, there's formulas for sweat testing, formulas for carbohydrate consumption. But once I look at the individual athlete, like I then or Scott uh, make adjustments according to your specific goals, your specific training Um as we're building and learning like carbohydrate intake, we make adjustments for that. So it's very much a combination of AI and formulas that, you know, Scott and I have worked on um, and what we've seen work in athletes, but then also the personalized component of um, yeah, f- adjusting to what it is that, that each athlete needs. And where can our listeners, if they want to learn more, where can they find you, find the Fuelin <laughs> app? I'm assuming it's on, what is it? Android store, I, app store, I, iPhone store, whatever, Apple. I can never find it on my yes. phone. Yes, <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, yes, I will make sure you have all the appropriate links. And right now it's just Apple, not Android phones yet. Sorry for Android users. Um, just that takes a little longer development wise. Uh, but you can find us 
at Fuelin F, uh, well, on Instagram, get Fuelin, G-E-T-F-U-E-L-I-N. Um, myself, my last name at Inpine, I-N-P-Y-N on Instagram, Twitter, all those good things. Uh, yeah, we'll make sure you have all the links in there to find us, sign up, look into it, ask any questions that you like. I'm happy to answer them. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Elizabeth, and all the best to you in this new year. And thanks for helping us and our listeners kind of, you know, get off on a, a good foot this year with our health and mindset and everything that goes along with that. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. I love a little girl talk. uh, And if it relates to sports nutrition, all the better. Well, Haley, after talking to Elizabeth and chatting with you just over the years about our own fueling habits, I think it's clear that we both uh, take our fueling and very seriously. So one of the questions I feel like people always ask is like pre-race meals and pre-race like big workout, like how do you fuel the night before? Do you have a favorite way to kind of like load up on calories before a big day of training? So the night before, I will say that the day night before a race, I eat pretty early. Like we're talking like 4 or 5 p.m., which um, – and I usually – it's usually just something fairly carb heavy, you know, like pasta with, you know, not a lot of protein, maybe a little bit of protein, but – um, pasta bread, you know, just enough to make me full, um, rice, like maybe with a little bit of chicken, little bit of vegetables, but trying to kind of like minimize the roughage, but that's, I eat it very early. So that I'll go to bed early. And then, um, cause usually races start pretty early and then I'm hungry enough for breakfast in the morning. So I think that that's, you know, ideal. So it is, if I had a big run, I might do some like fried rice, but if it's just a workout, I might add some, uh, you know, whatever the fried spring rolls <laughs> as well. I'll add a little more fat, a little more fun than I might pre-race because it's not quite as nervous. I remember hearing that Meredith Kessler would always before her big races eat at Outback Steakhouse. And so whenever I'm racing, if I like know there's an Outback Steakhouse in the area, I'm like, I'm going to Outback and getting uh, my meal there because Meredith does that. <laughs> And it's like you're traveling, right? You need something consistent. You need like a little protein, a little like potatoes, a little vegetables. And Outback actually can deliver on that pretty nicely. So I have to say that's something I do. Um, If I'm cooking at home before a big workout day, I actually do. I really like Emma Coburn's best friend bolognese recipe that's in her runner's kitchen cookbook. I cook a lot out of there, but that like is a really good recipe. And it's like carbs. So it's like very filling. It's a little complicated to make. I will say it's one of the more time-consuming recipes in there, but still not that time-consuming. Um, and so that's one of my favorite, and it's like jam-packed with some calories, so it's good, good stuff. Yeah, I mean, race nutrition is always, as Elizabeth, you know, alluded, it is a little bit uh, individual, and it's a little bit trial and error. But hopefully, once you find what works for you, um, you know, you can use you can use other people's advice, like Meredith Kessler or us. And then if you find something that works for you, it's kind of nice to be able to stick mostly to it. You know, there's always a little bit of wiggle room because life. But um, so fun to have her on and talk about nutrition, always things I can take away and work on as well. So thank you to Elizabeth Inpine for, for coming on the show. All right, Haley, I wish you the best with another big week of training, I'm sure. And I am very excited to be finding out your inner age in the coming weeks here. So, you know, I guess for now, I will say talk to you next week.
You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Zelio Skincare, Orca Sportswear, and Inside Tracker. You can find all websites and discount codes at ironwomenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.